Welcome to the Gate Crashers Podcast, where we storm the gates of publishing and dare to talk about the realities of the industry. I'm your Ivory Tower representative, Amanda Liedeke, literary agent and vice president at McGregor and Liedeke. And I'm your self-publishing insider, Therese Crow, novelist and speaker. It's the summer, which means that we are taking a break here at the Gate Crashers Podcast. And instead of offering weekly episodes, we are going to be offering you a handful of interviews that we will air here and there throughout the summer. These are interviews with industry professionals and authors who share their stories and their insight. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this summer interview. Piper Hughley is a multi-published and award-winning novelist. She is a professor at Clark Atlanta University and an expert on Zora Neale Hurston, which is my absolute favorite thing about you, Piper. (laughs) (laughs) But today we're going to talk about Piper's publishing journey. She is an author who fought to tell the stories that she wanted to tell. And it was a long fight, but it paid off. So Piper, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. It's great. I'm so excited. I was looking in my emails and our first correspondence happened back in 2014. Right. And you were shopping a book called A Virtuous Ruby. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we were talking about that. But before we talk about that book and then what happened since, what was your journey leading up to that point? Because there's always like the beginning, you know, the origin story. So what was your journey journey leading up to then? Well, I think it was around uh, 2011-ish that I began to think that uh, what I wasn't seeing, and at that time I was a, a, a babe in the woods, uh, not seeing historicals um, featuring Black characters, Black Black authors in the uh, inspirational genre. And so I guess somehow I thought, oh, they've been waiting for me all of this time. And so now I'm going to write these stories. <laughs> and so I wrote two series, one series um, called Home to Milford College, um, which was um, set in um, Reconstruction United States, 1866, um, that focused on the creation of a historically Black college and university and how the faith of those people meant that uh, they wanted to build an educational legacy. Hmm. So there were very direct references uh, to their faith. Uh, The hero was a preacher, um, Hmm. um, not you know, trained by any means, but still a preacher and leader in his community. So there were uh, various aspects of the inspirational genre that played a role in terms of the developing of um, of that character and the, those stories. And then almost at the same time, now that I'm thinking about it, um, my other series was called Migrations of the Heart, which was about five sisters and how they find love uh, as they uh, participated in the Great Migration, which is the largest internal migration in the United States history, which mm. basically explains how uh, Black people moved from the South to the North and the West. Um, and so each book followed a sister and her journey on to find love and mm. uh, leaving home, which was set in the fictitious town of Winslow, Georgia. And those stories also centered around uh, a faith element 
uh, and it, it varied in terms of the story about which character it was who, uh, you know, was going through the crisis of faith that was so important in the inspirational genre. And so uh, around uh, that time, between 2011 and 2015, I was really seeking to make uh, inroads into that CBA uh, Christian world yeah. uh, with these stories. I entered uh, the contest and tried to pitch to agents who were focused uh, at that time on uh, publishing inspirational stories uh, at that time period, etc. So mm. mm-hmm. I think that was, so this might be a good transition. I think that was around the time I, I attended an ACFW conference, mm-hmm. which for those who don't know, it's like a it's probably like the Christian yeah. fiction conference if you right. want to be in that space. And I sat in on a meeting hosted by one of the big publishing houses. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if it was you or I don't remember if it was Pat Simmons or who it was. Someone asked the probably it was probably Pat. <laughs> I love her. Someone yeah. asked the question well are you interested in his like black historicals and like their response was like yeah definitely mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and i and and it wasn't just that response it was the whole the tone of that entire session mm-hmm. they made it sound like it was so easy to get your idea in and to get it published but as an agent i knew it was not that easy right. and it was not just a matter of like winning over one editor and then they're like okay we're off to the races like you right. had to win over so many people to get mm-hmm. the book deal and that's still true mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. um but that's i remember true. regardless it's true in aba it's true in CBA. So. exactly it's it's yeah. a business i mean it's a business, it's a business. so they have yeah. to be yeah it's not just one person. yeah so but i remember like the response was like oh yeah we're definitely interested in that and i just remember thinking like are you really like like it was like that moment of like i want i was excited because like i wanted to be encouraged by it and to think Mm -hmm. okay good this sounds Mm -hmm. fun Mm -hmm. but then also knowing the entire tone of that session just didn't seem authentic Mm -hmm. so anyway so then i think about you then and your journey of trying to get an agent trying to land a publisher for your um you know your christian historical romance featuring Mm -hmm. black characters Mm -hmm. and I said no to you. So yeah. I'm one of the people who yep. said, I don't my dream this. agent. Oh, my and I, I think I've told you this, like I've thought about that in the past and I've just been like, I should have just done it. I should have just done it. Um, but when I come to understand, when I came to understand about agents and trust, you were not the only one. Hmm. So I, I will lift that from you to say, yeah. uh, I have other agent stories yours was you know the sort of the way you rejected me was at least kind and soft Mm. Um, (laughs) but that means that some people were not kind and soft were not kind and soft like at rwa in 2013 when um you know whenever you get that uh, golden heart nomination which is the big deal time the pre-published award one of the prizes was to be able to at least have access to other you know potential agents so very big christian agent i got my access and i got my appointment and i was all excited uh to go as what happened in 2013 was i noticed all of my you know put it golden heart sisters were getting offers left and right 
even yeah. people in the category with me, you know, uh, uh, in terms of that. And so I was like, I said, well, maybe they need to see me in person. And they need to see what I'm talking about, et cetera. So went there uh, to talk to the agent and this person explained to me for my preciously held 10 minute session, why it would take 20 years for my books to sell. Wow. Look up the entire time. And I said, of course, if you want to send it to me, oh, I wouldn't dream of sending it to you at this point. Right. Not after that little lecture uh, in terms of uh, what happened when I pitched that book. Oh, wow. No way. Uh, And yeah, and so this person has gone on to be quite an interesting ally uh, on Facebook regarding the need for diverse Whoops. Twist ending. <laughs> oh yeah, big twist ending. Well, that's not the end of it because I actually confronted this person on a Facebook post um, with oh. what had happened. Yeah, so that's, that's the twist ending. And you like... may keep that in this recording. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to tell you after who it is? I will. But okay, yes, yeah, we, we try yes. not to name names. So, we don't want yeah, to. Exactly. I'm not naming names, <laughs> but I'm just saying this was the attitude wow. in 2013. Wow. And my thought at that time was, well, in 20 years, you're not going to exist. And I tend to be pathetic. Um, these yes. Christian bookstores that this agent was so worried about. Wow. Where are they wow. in terms of selling the books? Here, wow. not even 20 years later. Wow. So, um, and then uh, I've had agents, uh, Black agents who was, I pitched her my ideas and she, you know how you guys have your little cards and you pass them around, whatever. And I was talking to her about my historicals and stuff. And the look on her face slowly became horrified and she had her cards and she put them into her purse and was like slowly making her way away from me. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh. Yeah, you were nice and soft, at least. Oh. <laughs> One thing that you had said to me, though, it did give me hope. So yeah. I will tell you. I think it was um, because we become friends on Facebook. So, yeah, people, you know, this happens yeah. with agents all the time. There's all kind of other agents who have rejected me that I'm still Facebook friends with and editors and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, that um, I put up the cover for The Preacher's Promise. Mm. And I think you said uh, on a post of time, I never thought about it that way before. Because yeah. the cover for the preacher's promise is a very uh, hard hitting kind of uh, resonant cover. People have cried looking at that cover mm-hmm. uh, in terms of that. So one, that was one of the aspects that I guess gave me the impetus to go on and say, well, maybe it is that independent publishing is a way to this because if people haven't seen it before, maybe seeing it yeah. will help more industry people realize that uh, this genre is a possibility. Yeah, just mm-hmm. uh, it's funny because I, to this day, I think about your book covers and how mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. impactful they were when you when yeah. on when on your self-publishing journey, I was just mm-hmm. like, this looks amazing. This, mm-hmm. I don't know why I just couldn't fill in the blanks. My own, you know, whatever it was, just inability to think outside of the lines. Well, I think agents do. Yeah. 
that's not, I don't think that's the business for agents, to yeah. be honest. Um, that's what, at least that's what I came to understand. It's not to think in, outside of the lines. It's to provide editors with whatever they know they want and what they know they can sell. Yeah, that is true. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So yeah. you struggle, so with this book, Virtuous Ruby, that you were shopping, you struggled mm -hmm. to place it. So then did you, is that when you decided, well, I'm just going to self-publish it and I'm just going to do it myself? Well, what happened in terms of my vision, or at least my way of thinking, okay, this Christian way is not going to work. Yeah. Is that there was uh, Sam Hain Publishing, which published all kinds <laughs> of stuff that was not Christian in any nature. Mm-hmm did see, and they had, had an agent who came on, Elizabeth Smith, who did see or wanted to believe in a space for Black historical romance. And I've yeah. been told several times over the years, oh, you have too many uh, subgenre names or whatever, and so you need to narrow it down <laughs> uh, in some kind of way. I was like, well, it's just telling people what it is. I yeah. Don't, you know, I don't know. Um, in terms of you're not going to get the sexy times, you're not going to get your credit just recent threat for it. I don't know. Black people. So I don't know. It's historical. Um, so uh, she wanted to acquire it for Sam Haynes. So she did acquire uh that series those three books the first three books in that series for Sam Hain and then they shut it mm, yeah see. so then I got the rights back yeah in order to self-publish them but it was the Home to Milford College series that had always been independently published then the Migrations of the Heart had been with Sam Hain for that uh, about a year before they shut down and then yeah. I got the rights back to uh, republish them myself fascinating i didn't know that like i didn't know that that was the the journey that it was with sam hayne and then back mm -hmm. yes. to you and, yes and it um, was with sam hayne and that was when when people saw that i was going to publish them with sam hayne that you know all of my if i ever had christian author friends or whatever oh my gosh you know, that's not acceptable so hmm and I don't want these stories to get out there in some way. So that's right. how I felt at the time. Um, so right. yeah. And Latoya is amazing. Like, oh, yes. Like, oh, yes, she is. Utterly amazing. So helpful. And I, it made me wonder, you know, if that was not part of her journey in terms of, like, what you were talking about earlier, that these things are not just one person. Yeah. Because uh, she had been with Grand Central. Yep. And at Grand Central, she pitched... Uh, a virtuous ruby and to the board and they were like nobody's gonna buy that <laughs> and she was like well, what do you mean there's beverly jenkins and you know not just me but even other author friends of mine said well there's beverly jenkins as yeah. if there's just that one so we're cool with that you know so Ugh. uh and so shortly after that she left to go to Sam Hay, which always That's... makes me wonder if that was some kind of tipping point yeah i remember <laughs> i bet it was because i also she and i hooked up when she was at grand central and she it was just like we got along it was great and i would send her you know different projects but one i think was a project from pat simmons and it also didn't mm -hmm. land only later to land somewhere else mm -hmm, like so mm -hmm. with a different agent so it was just like yeah. she was running and she must have been running into walls there yeah so um, around 2015 ish yeah, yeah they were not having it yeah uh so talking about then self-publishing what was that like what was that experience like for you 
Well, it, it enabled me to, like I said, get this idea of this genre out into the world uh, for people to see that I was I was taking a different approach to Black historical romance than Beverly Jenkins. The only thing that they have in common is that they are about Black people and they're historical. It's a different approach, different historical subjects, and uh, the different, is it more inspirational Christian approach mm-hmm. that I was taking um, two different ways because Miss Bev's historicals are very, very spicy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that the, there could be more than one way of seeing it. And that's, that was really my impetus in terms of what I called what the phase one was going to be all about mm-hmm. um, in terms of that. So it wasn't that I had the kind of success that you often hear about with self-publishing, like, oh, I made six figures and couldn't leave my job. It was not like that. But it allowed me, uh, I think what I say, to make a stake in the ground in terms of that particular genre practice writing in a historical way um, before I had was made decisions to move into phase two of what I thought I was going to be writing writing later hmm. on. So, yeah. And I still get people who request, you know, could I not write more historical romance? I mean, and um, I am participating in uh, an anthology uh, called Sunflower Season, which is meant to raise money for Ukraine. Uh, that's coming out June 7th which does have a novella that is historical romance, uh, but it's going to be very different from every other novella in the <laughs> 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 uh, Yeah, some people are probably going to come across like, what is this, you know, kind of thing. Because the other thing that's been happening over the same trajectory of time is that historical romance now seems to mean recency. Yeah. That it, it doesn't mean any other historical time period. It just means recency. That's yeah. all that publishing seems to want it. Which is why, yeah, okay, I, I saw that coming for a long time. It's like, okay, now's the time to start to eat my way into phase two because um, mm. I don't do recency. Right. So. I wouldn't want to do it either. It seems like a lot of work. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of work and a lot of people are very unhappy with you. I mean, yeah. what is that? So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me about this phase two. Is this the phase that then set you up to move into traditional publishing? It's the phase that meant that I was going to want to move into writing uh, biographical historical fiction mm-hmm. that is about, about certain Black women in history. Uh, that have been unsung and unheralded and whatever. So there's certain, you know, things in terms of the zeitgeist. I saw, okay, we're hitting figures in 2016. What might be the follow-up to that um, in terms of uh, historical stories about Black women? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, this other aspect in terms of what I call the history wars, this ongoing sense of when we're taught history in school, we're not taught the complete history we're right. taught it from this one very narrow point of view uh, that doesn't include everybody right. uh, that also seemed to be burgeoning. Um, and the fact that, in my belief, that historical fiction, whether it's romance, mystery, historical fiction, whatever, can play a role in terms of um, allowing people to be intrigued about what happened during those stories. And they, they tend to go investigate and find out um, other things about that history Hmm. so that was what I thought in terms of phase two now whether or not traditional publishing was going to be interested in that that was a bit of a crapshoot right Um, and and to be honest I sat out for a little bit because I was not sure of that at all 
I did query, I did pitch, and I saw I was getting closer um, in terms of at least getting some full requests from agents, um, et cetera. So I think all of those things were beginning to make some agents realize, okay, the, 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 at least the historical fiction part was a more of a possibility. Because I think by that time, it was clear that, again, historical romance means frequency. So yeah. I, the, any stories that I had, I was not pitching along that particular vein. Hmm. So, mm -hmm. so then what was the catalyst that really set you up? Because you ended up, your first, it, it, am I right that your first release with a traditional publisher was Sweet Tea? It was. And that was a contemporary that I had on yeah. my hard drive um, that I had, that had just been there. And uh Stacey Donovan at Hallmark in a Facebook group was bemoaning the fact that she wasn't getting any diverse submissions. And I had spoken with Stacey before. I'd spoken with Stacey before about Home to Milford College um, in terms of them publishing it. Um, as a, Because that, if you remember, that's when Hallmark Channel was still showing all the Jeanette Oak stuff. <laughs> and as I say, okay, well, here's some historicals like along that line or whatever. And that's when they stopped doing it. They are okay. like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. We're only focusing on contemporary stories. Okay. And so uh, I had thought, okay, well, Milford College, as the college has a contemporary endpoint, let me write a story in that contemporary endpoint. And it just sat on my hard drive. Like for the longest time, because I think mostly because I've become known as a historical author. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I'd been speaking to Stacy off and on about publishing something, and she just seemed to, you know, make all of these suggestions to the point where it's like, well, you really don't, you're not really that interested. So when I saw this Facebook, when I saw this Facebook post, I was like, okay, well, Stacey, you know, we talked all of those years back and forth and you, you know, you tried to give me the runaround. I was like, so, uh -huh, we'll send her this enough and see what she thinks. And then she wanted it. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> on me, I published a contemporary. <laughs> you did. You snuck it in. You yes. snuck it in. I said the cool part of it, the contemporary always was that there's the history of how the school got started in there. So yeah. oh. she loved the Middleford College series. So she was very glad of that. She didn't want that to go away. So yeah. yeah. And so my sales in terms of the initial history Milford College series books have gone up because then people want to see, oh, well, so how did her ancestors fall in love? So Oh, I love that. Oh, so you win, win. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. So the happy ending for you is that, um, I'm going to get this right. You have By Her Own Design, mm -hmm. correct. which released June 7th with, <laughs> with William Morrow, mm -hmm. which is... I mean, that's like a well-known New York publishing house, right? Right. So, and that is the story of Anne Lowe. So this is your plan. This is what you wanted to tell the stories of black women, but like in a fictionalized way. Yes. Sort um, of. So with lots it's of- sort of the plan. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not the black woman I picked to tell the story. So who picked so. it? Well, Tessa did, the editor, right? Uh -huh. So I was on Twitter, just mind my own business as I do, 
and uh, she put out a tweet about, will someone write this story? And I knew, because I know history, you know, that Jacqueline Kennedy's um, wedding dress had been designed by a Black woman, but I'd never gone to look any further than that. Mm. So when I saw her post that tweet, I went to go look, and I was like, ah, I see the story in this. I don't see it in every person's life, but at Anlo, I was like, yes, yes, I can do this. Um, I can put aside the project that I was working on. Right in lieu of this and that's what I did so I said at least it's a foot in the door yeah in terms of that and uh yeah ever since that ever since then there's been again more in the era of the zeitgeist this whole aspect of Anlo's reputation increasing over the past approximately two two and a half years yeah there are several magazines have published articles about her um and you know most recently her gowns are um on exhibit at the Met right now um, in terms of there are four gowns of hers that uh, are there and the Met store when by her and design releases will sell yeah. by her and design in their store. Um, so yeah, that's sort of, there's this increasing knowledge of the fact uh, that here's this re- revealed history, not just black history, but revealed history about uh, Jacqueline Kennedy because um, all of the previous, and I'm, I'm a bit of a Kennedy buff, uh, all the previous biographies about her will talk about family seamstress. It was like these invisible hands made this elaborate. <laughs> hmm. Family seamstress, uh, you know, not saying that this woman had, had a relationship with not just Jackie, but her mother and her sisters and all this stuff for years, designing yeah. gowns for them. Uh, that's more that whole aspect of the unsung women uh, and this, you know, not complete history. Yeah. So yeah. that's what by her and design is hopefully going to do is, is bring this one back into the historical conversation, give her uh, her due in terms of her contributions. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so that whole thing, I did not know that that happened through a Twitter conversation mm-hmm, yeah. and you were just like, I'll, I'm up to the challenge. I'll do it. And mm-hmm. here's all of my, here's all of my accolades and my, like, cause you, you could bring the proof that you could write a historical story. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Yes. And I'd known Tessa too, because, yeah. you know, more of this kind of stuff about getting myself out there. She mm-hmm. knew about what I'd been doing. Um, you know, uh, so I wasn't a stranger approaching her with right. uh, saying I wrote her the, the prologue which pretty much is the prologue of the book that's pretty much untouched so when people see it uh in terms of that I'm you know hate to brag but uh, I was not a big prologue person but as I said well here's something that I can give her you know yeah and um if people were talking about it's like the best prologue ever and oh, like now the, I want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you know what they say about prologues, oh, they're unnecessary. Exactly. Right? You go to yeah. This one. Oh, I love that. So yeah. it's like your determination paid off your relation. I mean, so much of this business is relationship. It is. So much of it is. So much of it. And the mm-hmm. fact that you were willing to stay in the space, even mm-hmm. when it was hard. Even when you felt like you didn't belong, like people were, there wasn't room for you, you stayed in the space and it, wow. Well, the part of the history is is that, you know, the ancestors have had quite a struggle themselves, you know, that always reminds me that, you know, you're not the only one, you know, who uh, might be having a difficult time being heard, 
being seen, uh, having people realize um, that you have something of value and of worth to say. Mm -hmm. So that helps me to think about those journeys. <laughs> what, like I said, Anne Lowe herself. <laughs> what she went through, her persistence in believing, as she said, on the Mike Douglas show in 1964. And I mean, this provided the uh, narrative thread for By Her Own Design hmm. to show that a Negro, the word of the time, to show that a Negro can be a fashion designer. Hmm. And that's what she always believed about herself. Not that she was a seamstress, right? But she was creating these one-of-a-kind, custom, you know, the word they used bespoke, creations that are worthwhile being in an art museum, which is where dresses of hers are um, now. So, mm -hmm. mm. so she could do what she did. I love that. Yeah. Um, any advice for authors who feel like they don't quite fit within the modern day genre lines? And you and I talked about how we just need to be rewriting these lines and moving these lines, these genre lines that exist. But any advice for authors who currently feel outside of the lines? Hmm. I guess just that you have to be patient hmm. uh, to, to some extent and to try to, to sort of not change your vision, but showcase in terms of the vision, um, how it aligns with what is out there. Uh, someone just said, like, recently, someone said uh, that by her own design reminds them of the help. I don't think it's the same story as the help, but I think what that person meant was uh, that this is like a sort of the flip side of uh, what Black women in the South, the Black woman in the South went through mm. at a similar time period. Um, some of that kind of thing in terms of creating a way for people to see what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, those, that's there because story is universal. Mm -hmm. That's in there somewhere to find that and make it um, work. Absolutely. And don't give up. Um, any self-promotion, or let me rephrase this. <laughs> um, where can people find you online? What's the best way for people who want to connect with you? And feel free to plug what you're working on next or even just Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> like, Twitter's my favorite social media. Uh, at Piper Hugley, uh, P I P E R H U G U L E Y. I'm coming to learn Instagram very soon. Mm -hmm. uh, at Piper underscore Hugley there at Instagram, uh, Facebook, Piper G Hugley. Um, and my uh, web website piperhugley.com uh, I've signed a contract for my next historical fiction book that hopefully thank you will take place in or will take place will release uh, in fall of 2023 uh, so fingers crossed on that these things with publishing uh, taking place right now in terms of the shortages and all that I hope it doesn't get pushed right um, it's called American Daughters and it is the story of the unknown secret friendship between Portia Washington and Alice Roosevelt. People may know Alice Roosevelt as the, uh, um, the tempestuous uh, first daughter of Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. 
and all of her uh, things that she went through before she Washington is the daughter of Booker T. Washington. And uh, some people might remember when John McCain, upon losing to Barack Obama, how he referred to the infamous dinner in 1901 that took place between Booker T. Washington and Theodore Roosevelt, which was the first time a Black man had been invited to the White House in such capacity. And the uproar, wow. <laughs> the uh, total and complete uproar in 1901 that happened as a result of that. Um, these two daughters of theirs, their firstborn children uh, managed to find a way to friendship in the wake of that. I love that. Yeah. So definitely listeners be looking for that fall of 2023. And for now, head out and check out By Her Own Design, the story of Ann Lowe. Uh, Please do. <laughs> I think it's important Please for these- Wherever books are sold. So yes. yeah, that's the good thing about being with a traditional publisher is that they have a way to get uh, you into these other spaces that independently would have been. Yeah. I mean, the airport, for goodness sake, you know, it's like, oh, yay. <laughs> Target's next. Oh, yeah, Target too, gal. I'm in Target with sweet tea. I didn't expect that. Walmart. Yes. Not just the trade, but the mass market uh, exclusive to sweet tea. Uh, That's wonderful. Some of those things in terms of broadening the audience and, uh, you know, making people see more of your vision. Thank you for listening to the Gatecrashers podcast. This has been one of our summer interviews. If you like what you hear, be sure to leave us a review. Hit me up on Facebook on my agent page and be back in a few weeks for a brand new episode.